The greatest story ever told is a true story. It is a story of adventures, battles, kings and queens, heroes and villains, good and evil, history and prophecy. It is your story. Come join the adventure of the Bible story. Chapter 149 Jehoiakim Buys Time and Trouble personal warning for Baruch made him seriously consider whether or not he would dedicate his life to God by standing up and following the prophet Jeremiah. God was trying to help him see that he could use his writing ability to serve a profound purpose rather than just to serve his own personal success. While Baruch and Jeremiah were working to produce the scroll, the Babylonian army defeated the Egyptians at Carchemish, and Babylon seized Syria and other great swaths of territory in the region. God had warned that Babylon would set its sights on Judah, so it was only a matter of time until it happened. One fateful day, the Babylonian army arrived at the borders of Judah. The Babylonians began taking prisoners from Judah's forces. Upon hearing the reports of soldiers and cavalry flooding across the Jordan River into the Jericho area, King Jehoiakim became frenzied. Put every soldier at his station along Jerusalem's wall. He commanded. They might capture the other cities of Judah, but we must never allow these Babylonians to take Jerusalem. The Babylonian army approached the capital city. A band of Babylonian cavalrymen rode up to the gates of Jerusalem. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon commands that the gates of this city be opened to our army. A Babylonian general barked. Judah has chosen to pay tribute to Egypt which we have conquered. Now Judah will pay the price of its error. After some discussion between Jehoiakim and his men, one of his generals shouted back, King Jehoiakim will not engage in talks with your army of pagan savages. A Babylonian soldier replied, This king of yours sounds like he is terrified of us. Why won't he speak for himself? You are a country of cowards. King Jehoiakim arrogantly decided to prove the Babylonians wrong. I'm going to speak with them, he told his men. Prepare the best men from our 1st Cavalry Division to accompany me out the gate. His generals protested. You are falling for a trap that will end in your capture and maybe the capture of Jerusalem too. Jehoiakim would not be dissuaded. I will only advance a short distance out of the gates. Our archers will be ready to rain torrents of arrows upon them if these pagans try to approach the gate. A short time later, the Babylonians were excited to see Jerusalem's gates swing open and Jehoiakim emerge on horseback, surrounded by a small division of mounted soldiers. As he rode farther and farther from the gates, a feeling of uneasiness overtook Judah's king. Suddenly, his world went black. (laughs) 
When King Jehoiakim regained consciousness, he heard laughing and voices chatting in a language strange to his ears. The noise made his head pound tremendously. He groaned as he suddenly realized that he had been goaded into a trap. <sighs> Heavy chains shackled his wrists and ankles. You should be grateful to still be alive! One of the Babylonians said in heavily accented Hebrew, A stone from the sling of one of our skilled soldiers knocked you from your horse! When we moved in, several of your cavalry were slain by your own archers! <laughs> but we managed to pull you out of the fray! You should be thanking us! The king was shocked that the Babylonians had been able to capture him so easily. You want me to thank you for this? He asks incredulously, motioning toward the heavy chains. We can discuss whatever you want from Judah as soon as you remove these shackles and escort me back into Jerusalem. If you refuse to let me go immediately, my generals will deploy more divisions than your army can withstand. You will be obliterated. The Babylonian allowed the arrogant king to say his piece then gave an answer that pained Jehoiakim to hear. Actually, Jehoiakim, when you were knocked out, we told your generals that we would slay you unless they opened the city gates for us. Since they did not reply, your life must not be of much value to them. You will remain in those shackles during the long journey back to Babylon. You can plead your case to King Nebuchadnezzar when you explain why you chose to align Judah with Egypt rather than with mighty Babylon. While Jehoiakim was taken captive by the Babylonians for a time, he was allowed to continue ruling Judah for a number of years following. The Bible does not provide the details but it appears he was not actually taken all the way to Babylon. Here is one possible scenario. The next morning, Jehoiakim awoke and recognized that he was being held only a couple of miles from the gates of Jerusalem. He demanded to speak with the commanding officer. A few hours later, the commander came in, along with the bilingual general Jehoiakim had spoken with the previous day. If you will take these terrible chains off of me, Jehoiakim said, and return me to the safety of Jerusalem, then the nation of Judah will pay what tribute to Babylon you wish. And you agree to pay no more tribute to Egypt, and vow total allegiance to Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar? The officer asked, and you will pay all that we demand? I swear it, Jehoiakim said. The commander then told Jehoiakim how much Babylon would require of Judah every year. The king was shocked by the amount, but he had no leverage with which to negotiate, so he agreed. One more thing, the commander said. He then presented a well-dressed Babylonian to Jehoiakim. This is Aspenaz the master of the eunuchs from Babylon. He will return with you into your city. Any young people of his choosing will return with us back to Babylon. Wait, 
What? Jehoiakim answered. Money is one thing, but giving up our children? I don't think I'll be able to convince my people to do that. Then there is no deal. The commander said forcefully. Prepare our horses. We leave at once. Okay, okay, responded Jehoiakim as he stared dejectedly at the ground. I'll see what I can do. If you fail to uphold your end of this bargain, and if you do not pay all that we demand, your nation will be crushed under the mighty heel of King Nebuchadnezzar, warned the Babylonian. Frustrated by the unreasonable demands, but seeing no alternative, Jehoiakim said, Let me go and I will ensure you receive your demands. The commander removed the chains from the king. As he walked back toward the city gate, Jehoiakim was relieved to have escaped with his life. But he was humiliated about his capture and having to return to his capital city on foot while the Babylonian entourage with Ashpenaz rode on horseback. As King Jehoiakim re-entered Jerusalem, crowds of cheering people lined the stone causeway. The people looked happy to see him, but Jehoiakim's demeanor was far from happy. When one of his servants hurried to greet him, Jehoiakim snapped out an order. Assemble my council! Back in the throne room, Jehoiakim faced a somber group of advisors, all clearly aware of the gravity of the situation. But as Jehoiakim explained the terms of his release, they became even more agitated and despondent. If we don't pay the Babylonians, they will destroy this city and kill us all. What good will all of your money do then? If we want to keep our positions, we must pay. But even if all of us gave everything we owned, there still wouldn't be enough, argued one of his advisors. There is one place where you could get the money, but the people aren't going to like it. A knowing look flashed in Jehoiakim's eye. This was just the suggestion he was hoping for. I don't care what the priests say. The welfare of our nation must come first. Take every gold bowl and coin from the temple, if that's what is needed. We will pay the Babylonians now and deal with anyone who is upset later. There is one other thing, the king announced. The royal eunuch from Babylon was sent with me to select some of our young people to go to Babylon by request of the king. They are to be used in the royal court. Ashpenaz, he called out. Ashpenaz entered the room. Do not fear, the Babylonian said in an unnatural high voice. We will not harm your children. The king of Babylon has personally requested a sample of your young people not to be regular slaves, but to be used in his royal court. Ashpenaz's friendly advocacy was working better than Jehoiakim could have planned. The councilmen weren't nearly as upset about losing Jewish children as the king thought they would be. Soon, a large group of young people were assembled for inspection. Looking at the fresh young faces, Aspenaz quickly chose the ones that looked healthiest. After more careful inspection of their abilities, he discerned those who were skilled in music and the sciences, and those who were naturally wise and bright. 
Within this group were young Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, and the young prophet Daniel. Witnessing the first Babylonian siege of Jerusalem, Baruch realized the seriousness of what he was part of. Seeing the prophecies of Jeremiah come to pass shook him into action. I'll do it. Baruch told Jeremiah, I will deliver the scroll to the court of the temple. Jeremiah was pleased with Baruch's decision to fully give himself to God's work. On the designated fast day, Baruch delivered the sobering message to a large audience in the temple. Baruch's reading of the prophet Jeremiah's warnings, especially the portions describing the fall of Jerusalem to Babylon, prompted the people to listen. The siege of Jerusalem happened so recently, many people could see Jeremiah's prophecy had come to pass. Many listened attentively, but Baruch could not tell if they were genuinely affected by the message or not. In fact, a man named Micaiah was deeply moved by the message. He was the grandson of Shapan, who had been secretary to King Josiah, and he favored Jeremiah. He ran to King Jehoiakim's residence and paraphrased the message to the princes, counselors, and other powerful men gathered there these men did not dismiss the message. In fact, they were so interested that they decided they should hear the warning directly from Baruch. Whether Baruch is a true servant of God or an imposter, he is risking his life to proclaim this message, and he deserves to be heard. One of the princes said, Please tell him to come here with his scroll. I would like to hear him read it to us himself. Baruch was summoned and soon found himself standing before this assemblage of leaders in the palace. As instructed, he read Jeremiah's warnings to them. As the men listened to the message, their interest transformed into alarm. When Baruch finished, one of the men spoke up. This is very grave. He said, I cannot refute what you have said, but I assure you, King Jehoiakim will be deeply displeased by this message. But he must be told, said another. The men all agreed that it was critical the king hear this urgent and serious warning. Tell us, another man said, how were you able to record such a lengthy and detailed prophecy from Jeremiah? Baruch explained that he had spent many months with God's prophet listening as Jeremiah dictated the message, writing down every word and helping him to follow God's command to codify this massive prophetic work. You must leave at once, they urged Baruch. You and Jeremiah should flee Jerusalem. Hide yourselves and tell no one of your whereabouts. King Jehoiakim will be furious when he hears what you have written from the mouth of Jeremiah. It will be best for both of you if you are not around when he hears the reports of this scroll. As Baruch rushed to tell Jeremiah all that had happened, the princes and counselors requested an audience with King Jehoiakim. They told the king about the message and who had delivered it. They had left the scroll in the office of Elishama, one of the king's scribes. 
but they paraphrased the message to Jehoiakim as best they could. King Jehoiakim listened carefully. Finally, he declared, I want to see exactly what this scroll says. Bring it to me, and then I will determine what is to be done with Jeremiah and Baruch. A man named Jehudai fetched the scroll from Elishama's office and brought it into the court. Jehudai read it aloud to the king and the others gathered in the king's chamber. King Jehoiakim listened to the ominous words as he stared into the fireplace, watching the flames dance on the burning logs. Jehudai had read only a portion of the scroll when he came to a passage saying the king of Babylon would invade Judah and destroy it. When the king heard those words, he sprang from his chair, grabbed the scroll with one hand, and took up a penknife with the other. Seeing the king's fierce wrath, three of the officials attempted to talk him out of destroying the document. This scroll may well contain the very words of God. One of them cried to the king. We must not destroy it. The three who protested, Elnathan, the son of Akbor, Jemariah, the son of Shapan, and Delaiah, the son of Shemiah, couldn't sway the king. This is a traitorous message, and it deserves to be destroyed. King Jehoiakim said he then cut the scroll in two and tossed both halves into the fire. Elnathan, Jemariah, and Delaiah left the king's residence with heavy hearts. A note about the fathers of these three men. Many years earlier, King Josiah had sent Akbor and Shapan to meet with Huldah the prophetess, and Shemiah was most likely the same man who had donated many cattle to Josiah's momentous Passover ceremony. The fact that Elnathan, Jemariah, and Delaiah had fathers who were apparently used to further God's work in various ways illustrates the value of good parenting. Jehoiakim sent men to arrest Baruch and Jeremiah, but the two men had heeded the prince's warning to Baruch and God provided a hiding place for them. While safe in their hiding place, God commanded them to write another scroll to replace the one Jehoiakim had burned. In, in the, the new, new scroll, scroll you, you must, must include, include everything, everything that, that was, was in the original, the original one. one. And, and I, I also, also want, want you, you to add, add a new passage. passage. God told Jeremiah, Include this prophecy about Jehoiakim. Since the king of Judah has led the nation into idolatry, has despised the words of my prophets, and has burned the scroll containing my message, he will fall victim to the Babylonians. He will later suffer a shameful death and receive no royal burial. 
His body will rot in the scorching heat of the day and will be covered with frost at night. His descendants and servants also will receive punishment because of their iniquity. As with the first scroll, Jeremiah spoke the words while Baruch wrote them all down. This is a powerful example of how God's word cannot be silenced. The writings of God's men have come under attack many times, but God has always ensured that his message is preserved. In this case, the second version of Jeremiah's prophecy had even more detail and power than the original. When news reached King Jehoiakim about the added prophecy concerning his death, his fury reached a new degree of intensity. He sent teams of men throughout Jerusalem and even outside of Jerusalem to find Jeremiah and Baruch. But the two men of God remained hidden from the king's forces. To be continued in our next episode and continue the adventure by reading the Bible story. Find it under the resources tab at pcg.church.